When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, if the ACC is winning a national title this year, who's it coming from? Clemson. Hey, good news, Joey. We found a Clemson contributor. Woohoo! Hello. (laughs) John McElhaney from SB Nation's Shaking the Southlands joining us. John, what's going on? Uh, not much. Uh, excited to be back in Clemson. Been missing it. No, actually, I've been here most of the summer, but I'm back, back. Uh, school's got to start. Really excited for football, football, football. John, thanks for joining us, man. This is uh, it's good to have someone on to talk Clemson with us. Um, obviously, a, a, a pretty key, pivotal team for the ACC. Probably the single biggest uh, power on the national stage right now. We'll say. Uh, 2017 was kind of a, a rebuilding year of sorts for Clemson, and yet they ended up in the playoff and, you know, they won the conference and all that. And so they actually bring back an absurd amount of talent going into 2018. Um, usually when you go on a playoff run, you got to dump a lot of guys off. They leave and go to the NFL. That's not really the case for Clemson. They bring back almost everybody, which is, again, pretty unprecedented. So I want to look at them going into 2018. Um, one of the guys that they do bring back is their quarterback, Kelly Bryant. He was a guy last year who uh, he was – if he didn't lead the team in rushing, he was up there at the very top. Um, he, he was good but not explosive passing the ball, we'll say. I mean, he completed, I think, over 70% of his passes and that, but it uh, seemed like downfield passing was not really his strong suit. Enter Trevor Lawrence, top quarterback recruit in the country, coming into Clemson this year, and I'm starting to hear some legitimate questions over, is Trevor Lawrence going to overtake Kelly Bryant as a starter? And as much as it seems ridiculous – that a starting quarterback that took their team to the playoff could be overtaken by a true freshman. Tell me how realistic or unrealistic that is at this point with what you're hearing from the program. Well, I mean, it seems crazy, but it did happen like halfway through the national championship last year. Um, So there's that, but also uh, you mentioned it. um, The downfield passing game is the biggest thing. Uh, Clemson fans are really missing it right now. We're used to seeing, you know, long bombs to Sammy Watkins, uh, big breakout plays from Mike Williams and, we just kind of want to see that deep ball back. Uh, last year, we were expecting a lot of it with uh, Deion Kane. He was kind of our deep threat, and he just didn't really seem to do much. Whether that was on Kelly Bryant or whether that was on Deion Kane is kind of hard to decide, but, I mean, playing both of them a little bit. Uh, that's been the biggest thing out of practice is how great Trevor Lawrence is on the deep ball. Uh, they, It's kind of his bread and butter. Uh, they say he's not quite as good at the uh, kind of – you know, underneath stuff, the the out routes and stuff like that, stuff that Kelly Bryant actually excels at. Um, but the excitement and the explosiveness and the big plays is the biggest thing. That's what's getting people excited. I think his second play in the spring game was a 50-yard touchdown to T. Higgins. So uh, when you have big flashy plays like that, it's kind of hard to convince people that maybe you should stick with the efficient guy that kind of, you know, keeps you the ball, um, get, get your offense going, 
you know, he might not get you the, you know, 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, but, um, you know, run to set up a pass and all that stuff. And we're becoming a more run-based team, so um, that could actually be the goal for them too. Let's talk about receivers real quick. Deion Kane's gone. Hunter Renfro it has been there basically since I was born. Um, he's mm-hmm. finally a senior. You have T. Higgins that you just mentioned. Who else? Like who else is going to emerge as a receiver in the passing game? Well, the big name right now, uh, especially because of uh, some videos coming out of practice recently, has been Justin Ross, uh, a freshman out of Alabama. Um, we took him away from Alabama, which was uh, one reason he was already kind of in Clemson fans' minds. Um, but uh, yesterday, there or yesterday, day before, um, there was a video out of practice where he, you know, he's getting a back shoulder pass from Trevor Lawrence, and he does a three sixty and grabs it with one hand behind his back, and then scores a touchdown. And you see something like that, and you just know he's going to be good. A lot of people have been saying he might be even better, um, stronger in the air than T. Higgins, which is somewhat believable. He's a little bit, I'm sure, he's a little bit thicker. Um, T Higgins is kind of skinny as a rail. So you expect him to get pushed around a little bit more when he's jumping. Um, but Justin Ross has kind of been the, the name on everybody's, uh, lips, at least outside of the quarterback battle and Travis Etienne. Um, other than that, Deandre Overton, uh, people have been hoping that this is finally his year. He's kind of been the elite guy sitting in the background for a while. And we're hoping that this is the, the year that he breaks out. Um, as far as underneath stuff, we have uh, Amari Rogers, who uh, is essentially Artavis Scott uh, cloned. He wears the same number. He seems to be the same size, has the same weird uh, power that you don't really understand where it comes from. Um, and he's just going to do a lot of stuff, not quite the Hunter Renfro slot stuff, more just the underneath screen rounds, kind of the Ray Ray McLeod role. Um, and yeah, uh, as far as tight ends, though, uh, we're not really sure where that's going to go. We've got a bunch of tight ends battling it out. Uh, Milan Richard and Garrett Williams uh, are the big names there. Uh, Cannon Smith as well. Um, and we're not really sure who's going to win that battle. Um, Garrett Williams is more of the blocker. He's probably the best blocker we have at the end. Uh, but Milan Richard and Cannon Smith uh, do provide some pretty big uh, receiving threats, which is nice. Especially so, John – yeah, John, if you if you look at the offense, the biggest hole to fill is probably at that receiver position. If you look at the defense, maybe the only hole to fill is in the secondary. Um, we talked a little bit about Van Smith, Ryan Carter, both uh, leaving. And in particular, the hole is at that safety position. Wanted to see kind of what, what the thought is there on replacing that and how big of a deal that really is in terms of the defense's overall production this fall. Uh, I do think it's a pretty big deal. Uh, we're going to have two like essentially brand new safeties. Tanner Muse has um, won the, the field safety job, essentially, uh, it seems, out of practice. Um, he's been around for a little, bit, little while. He's kind of become a, a, a folk hero um, a little bit for, you know, the underdog guy that everybody likes just because he's um, kind of been bullwear level crazy. Um, other than that, we're not really sure who's going to be alongside him. Kayvon Wallace is the, the, the leader right now, but um, there's a lot of guys that could fill that role. And I mean that's the big thing with the safety or the secondary in general. Um, if you don't have experience, it can get really easy to get burned on big plays. And if they're able to just throw deep bombs on us, it, our pass rush, even if it's legendary, may not even matter. Let's talk about the kicking game. So if there's been one yeah. weakness, yeah, one weakness. <laughs> everybody loves talking about the kickers. Uh, if there's been one weakness that Clemson's had over the last few years, it's been in the kicking game. Um, 
Greg Hugel obviously blows out his knee last year in that freak practice accident. That was very weird in the middle of the year. So that goes down. Um, It's basically been kind of a black hole kicker ever since, and Hugel's back now fighting for his job. So talk a little bit about that. Well, it seems as though Hugel's kind of got his strength back. He he got to kick once in the spring game, and it was a – I can't remember the distance exactly, but it was a pretty good distance. And he got – he had the power. He didn't quite have the accuracy, but it seems like he's been progressing pretty well, and he'll be back to be the the, the kicker this fall. But also he's been facing some – Extra challenge because Alex Spence um, has been here for a while. He got to start most of last year after the injury, and he did all right. Um, and then coming in is uh, BT Potter, who has been our kind of like uh, – I don't really want to call him a five-star kicker, but he's been a kicker with notoriety, which is a rare thing in a recruit. Um, and he, by all accounts, has been pretty good. So you, you never know, especially with an injury like that to a, a kicker, you never really see ACL tears with kickers. Um, you just don't really know what the end result's going to be. Uh, Greg Hugel could be just as good or better than he was before, or he could just be a shell of himself. Um, as far as punting, though, uh, we still have Will Spires, which is nice. Um, he's been pretty good um, and only looks to get better. He's still pretty young. Uh, hopefully uh, that goes well. And then BT Potter should be the kickoff specialist. By all accounts, he uh, booms kicks all the time. Whether or not he gets redshirted is another question, but um, with that new redshirt rule, we could see him uh, maybe in the postseason. I've seen that as an idea thrown around. Once we get to the ACC championship, then you bring out the kickoff specialist so that no team can ever return against you um, so we don't get a, a, a Kenyan drink against us. <laughs> John, one of the things that's always been surrounding this team over the last few years is, um, as the defense in particular has been so dominant has carried them is a lot of people asking about the status of Brent Venables. So I guess we get used to this status in college football where uh, a coordinator is at a school for a couple of years. They've got a really good unit. They move up to a bigger school. Once they get to the biggest schools, at some point they're going to move up and be a head coach, right? Um, Chad Morris did that from Clemson most recently, just a few years ago, left and head coach at SMU and now at Arkansas. But so the question has always been there about Brent Venables is, okay, well, when is he going to take a head coaching opportunity? You figure he's got about the best defense in the country year over year. He should be getting an opportunity at some point. Um, but it's also seeming like there isn't a lot of urgency on him to leave Clemson. So I wanted to get your take and, and, kind of your understanding of where this stands. Is there anything that Brent Venables would leave for, or is he just totally comfortable and happy doing what he is where he's doing it? Well, I mean, I think Skeletor is pretty happy just running the defense. Um, you know, he's, I don't want to say insane. I'm not a doctor or anything, but he, he seems very uh, animated on the sidelines, very loud, very uh, screamy. And he seems to enjoy kind of his role of not really having to care if that looks bad for boosters or outside fans or anything like that. Um, I do think there are some situations he would leave for um, maybe back to Oklahoma. If he, if he's still like, okay with that, I know Bob Stoops is gone. So uh, I don't know what their relationship was, but that could be a factor in whether or not he goes back over there. Um, and then Kansas state is the obvious draw. He went to Kansas state for part of his college career, coached at Kansas state for a while. Um, Bill Snyder's uh, seemingly ageless, but he is pretty old. And so if he isn't some kind of wizard, uh, he will retire soon. Um, and if they don't hire another Schneider, then he's the obvious go-to guy. But uh, personally, I don't think he'll kind of go with that. 
He's got everything he could want at Clemson. He doesn't have to deal with outside influences. He can just sit there, run his defense, recruit who he wants, make more than most FBS coaches. He might have to take a pay cut if he ends up at Kansas State. Uh, so things like that just make me feel like he's just going to be a, another Bud Foster that wants to run his defense, and that's it. I'm a Bud Foster guy, as you can imagine, being a tech mm-hmm. rat. Um, okay, give us one reason why Clemson does not win the ACC. Because I'm having trouble finding one. Uh, lack of explosiveness. Uh, that's been a big problem, uh, especially last year. We were we had a very high success rate, uh, according to S&P, but our explosiveness was one of the lowest in the country. Um, we just – we never really seemed to have those big plays. I think we had, like, one versus Louisville – or two or three versus Louisville, but two of those were, like, in garbage time. Every once in a while, we'd have a big play from Travis Etienne, and – Part of the reason he was so exciting was because he was the big play guy. Like nobody else seemed to really have those huge explosive plays on a regular basis that we could count on. So all eyes were on him while everything else was just going in the, the traditional super efficient way. But you see it kind of bite us in the butt when we get to, to Alabama and we can't be efficient on offense. And then we have no way of making big plays other than Travis Etienne so they can just focus on one person. John, want to um, look at the team you know, again? The offense. You mentioned that at wide receiver, there's a couple of holes to fill. One of the things we've been doing in this in this podcast, you know, with these previews, is trying to identify a new name to know. You know, someone who wasn't really a huge contributor in the past for Clemson, but by the end of the season, a lot of people will know their names. Um, so, a, a good example last year would have been Travis Etienne. Doesn't have to be a freshman, but um, it, it very well could be. Is, is is there any one person, one name on offense that is a new name to know uh, for or for folks watching Clemson later this year? Uh, well, I mean, I could be uh, an, uh, an obvious person and just say Trevor Lawrence because he, you know, is a freshman. But um, I, I think I'm going to stick with uh, Justin Ross. Um, he's been, uh, by all accounts, amazing. Uh, another freshman to go for would probably be Lynn J. Dixon, who's kind of a a running back, uh, you know, it's kind of blurry what he actually is, but he's mostly a running back. Um, uh, he could be pretty good, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to find uh, a, a name that you would say would stick out because we just don't have that many new faces. Other than on the offensive line, we have a couple new offensive linemen, maybe uh, Jackson Carmen, the uh, top 10 recruit uh, out of Ohio, ends up playing, but I, I don't think he's going to. He's uh, It's kind of... You know, we have Mitch Hyatt, who has started his whole career, but somebody like that is pretty rare in college football. Offensive linemen usually take a couple of years. So uh, there's not a ton of new faces other than the, the big obvious ones like Trevor Lawrence. Um, so expect, expect a lot of uh, people you know. I'm assuming it's pretty much the same on defense. I guess you can pick out a name in the secondary. Yeah, you probably pick out a name in the secondary. Tanner Muse. Um even if he's not the best player we have on defense, is probably one of the more visible players we have on defense, kind of like uh, like I said earlier, like Ben Bulware was. Um, he makes those big flashy plays. Like uh, I think there was there was a garbage time play. I can't even remember who it was against, but he, he caught an interception off a tip and then ran it all the way back. And uh, the crowd went crazy, and he was dancing and going crazy. And, I mean, people have just loved him ever since. And now we get to see him as a full-time starter. So I'm pretty interested to see how it goes. He's kind of that hard hitter, but also manages to find the ball every once in a while. So hopefully that scales up with uh, increased playing time. 
John, with the other previews we've done so far, what we've done looking at the schedule is look at, you know, games that we consider surefire wins, surefire losses, and toss-ups. I don't know that that really applies to Clemson this year. Um, if you look at the S&P Plus numbers, you know, and, and the projections and all this, Clemson has given at least an 80% chance to win 10 of their 12 games, which is unbelievable. And I think the lowest probability is a late road game at Florida State, which has a 73% win chance. So instead of talking about it in, in those terms we've done with other teams, I think we got to change it up a little bit here. Let's look at this schedule and try to find a couple of primary trip-up games. You know, if we just assume that Clemson's going to lose one or two games, what are what are those games that you're the most scared of based on where they fit in the schedule and uh, and various other factors? Well, myself as a very pessimistic Clemson fan, um, I see at Georgia Tech uh, versus NC State at Florida State and versus Louisville as like death trap games, even if most of those teams may um, – get a little bit worse from last year. Um, NC State uh, losing their entire defensive line. Uh, Louisville losing Lamar Jackson. Uh, Florida State changing pretty much everything with a new head coach and everything. Uh, Georgia Tech in Atlanta always scares me. Uh, I know that would probably make you happy to hear. Um, I have so many nightmares of us wanting, wanting to go into Atlanta and have a big win, a statement win for us, and then it just comes crashing down on us. Uh, I feel like that could happen again this year, especially uh, with facing an option team. But Brent Venables has been kind of showing that he kind of has figured out the triple option. So gives me a little bit more confidence. At Florida State does scare me because I feel like there's a chance they could be quite good. Uh, I don't really know how that Gulf Coast offense is going to work out. It could be amazing. So um, you never really know what Florida State's going to be. And then Louisville, I do think they're a little bit more dangerous than most people have been. Uh, putting on I feel like a lot of people have written them off because they don't have Lamar Jackson anymore but I feel like their backup is uh quite good I know he's a four-star recruit his name's escaping me right now um so if he ends up being a pretty good quarterback I know that Bobby Petrino can work with that so uh Louisville could end up being another uh thriller that we've had three out of the last four years we just recorded a podcast actually previewing Louisville and it's kind of been the same reaction for Jawan Pass. It's been yeah, that's okay. Nice. Well, he's he's replacing Lamar Jackson, and you know things might be a little bit different now that Jackson's no longer in the fold, and he's like a generational type player at quarterback. But by the same token, like Jawan Pass is more of the stereotypical, prototypical pocket passer, right? Um, a, a guy that Bobby Petrino is used to is used to. so that a lot of people are writing Louisville off. I think Joey and I both predicted seven and five for them. We think they're just going to take a step back, just be relatively yeah. average. But that could be that could be a trap game. Um, one game you didn't mention that I think would get interesting is at Boston College because yeah. Boston College just isn't scared of anybody, and their defense is always good. And I feel like this is the best offense they've had in quite some time. And they're a real they're, they're a real smash mouth team that I feel like getting that game on the road in Chestnut Hill late in the year is one of those games that definitely could get weird. Yeah, it definitely fits into that that uh, paradigm of Clemson losing a game late, right, like two weeks before the end of the season. So uh, that one does scare me. I didn't even uh, uh, realize that it was at Boston College. I, I misread the schedule that I was looking at. Um, so yeah, that does kind of up the the fear factor for me, especially with uh, AJ Dillon kind of revitalizing the BC offense all of a sudden, going from zero to a hundred in about one game. Um, so that that is pretty scary. I mean, 
imagine that BC offense with uh, one of the Don Brown defenses that they had the last few years before you went to to Michigan and you, you're looking at another contender in the ACC. So there is a good chance that Boston College comes back to the Boston College of old. How do Clemson fans, Joey, just one more, I'm sorry. Uh, how do how do, um, how do Clemson fans feel about that Texas A&M game, like second game of the year overall? Um, I feel like we're really excited in general. Um, I don't know if uh, the fan base in general is as sure that we're going to win as a lot of the numbers say we are. Uh, a lot of that has to do with kind of our our fear of uh, Jimbo Fisher. You know, he has in the past uh, absolutely ruined some of our best teams. Um, and, you know, you never really know with somebody like that. Texas A&M really committed to him. But then again, on the other hand, people look at it and you see he's got the in- extremely complex offense. He's going to a new place. Texas A&M, it wasn't like they were a top team last year, a top 10 team last year. Um, so there is a lot of rebuilding to do, and there's a reason that the numbers say that we're about a 75% uh, chance of winning that game. But I feel like there's a little bit less confidence in Clemson fans just because it's a week two game on the road. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Uh, we don't know how the, the secondary is going to gel. The, at least we have that game against Kent State. It's not a, a week one opening game where you're trying to decide who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. Uh, while playing a really quality opponent, so at least we have that one game to kind of get it, get our feet under us. But I, there is a good bit of, good bit of fear that that becomes one of the trip up games. That was actually the game I was going to bring up. Is I, I was going to say I think if we were talking about this as the 2019 schedule, I'd be a little more nervous than 2018. Week yeah. two, 2018. It's just I, Jimbo has got a, a really good staff there and, and a really good system. He's going to run on offense and all this stuff, but it's just, it's, it's complicated enough that you're right, John, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and so I, I don't think that they're quite as dangerous. Um, I'm also, as a Georgia tech fan, I'm, I'm pretty out on them having any sort of chance against Clemson, um, at least while their defensive line is what it is and performs how it has been, you know, for the last few years, like, that is not that is not a defensive front that Georgia Tech's going to be able to operate against. You know, I'm more worried about Georgia Tech getting shut out than I am about them just like you know winning the game outright. For what that's worth, um, yeah. Syracuse, the game that Clemson lost last year, I, I think that's a get back game. Uh, get that at home. That that should be a comfortable win. Yeah, that's been the big thing for me. Is I feel like that one's going to have a little bit of a re- revenge factor to it. Yeah, that home game. Yeah, that might be one of those like four touchdown cruising wins. Get, get the walk-ins in the game, you know yeah, that whole get, thing. Get Kelly Bryant some playing time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah get the backup in the game there. Um, the, the games that stick out to me, you guys mentioned at Florida State, at Boston College. Those are two. Um, Louisville actually is kind of a trap game now that you mention it, um, but that could get a little bit weird. Just you know, late in the year, coming <laughs> off a Florida State game, all that. So. I'll, I'll give you that one as well. And then maybe uh, I'll just throw out there the South Carolina game too. Um, it is it is a home game, and I don't know how good South Carolina will be, but it's a rivalry game. So, you know, this, some some would say you just got to throw the records out in those games. So uh, we'll have to see. But I, I, I'm i struggling. If you tell me that they're going to go 11-1, and one, I got to pick the one loss. I'm, I'm kind of struggling to figure out exactly who that would be. Yeah, um, and you know, I, naturally, I have to completely disagree on the South Carolina game, um, especially because the last few years it seems like we've been intentionally trying to kind of 
hurt them a little, like not injure them, but like kind of down their spirits. Uh, you know, we beat them 56 to seven, two years ago. They had this whole mantra of never again. We're never going to lose like that again. And then at one point in the game this year, it was 30 something to zero before they scored. Um, so it feels like they've been trying to be a little bit more cruel to South Carolina and that being a home game, um, especially right before the ACC championship. I feel like, uh, I feel like we'll probably get up for that one. Fair enough. Record prediction, John. Um, I mean, I want to be the jerk that just says 12 and 0, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I play it safe and I'll go 11 and 1. Try and be modest. What, what, game, what game are you most afraid of? We listed a handful. Uh, what's, what's the one that you're most afraid of? Probably at Florida State. I'm really interested in what uh, Willie Taggart is doing, and I think Cam Akers is, should be on a Heisman list. Um, I don't judge that as being the best player purely, but I, I feel like he's one of those players that could make or break a game kind of like uh, Dalvin Cook. He's they're also the, they're the closest thing on this schedule to like uh, matching talent to Clemson. So it's, that's probably the obvious go-to answer if you got to pick one. Um, Plus their defensive line looks like it's going to be a lot better. Um, they had a little bit of it down year last year. I mean, the whole team in general had a bit of it down year last year. Um, but uh, Brian Burns kind of scares me. Uh so I feel like I feel like they'll be able to get up for that game, especially it being in Tallahassee. And Florida State's always going to have the talent to match up with anyone. So as long as they get the scheme right, I feel like they could actually uh, contend with Clemson for the ACC Atlantic crown. Fair, Joey. What do you got? I, I'm with John. I'm, I'm at 11 and one. Um, I have a hard time predicting anybody to go 12 and 0, and and it almost doesn't matter how good of a team you are. You're in college football. You are bound to have a, a screw up or a weird injury at the wrong time. I think they're going to drop one. I don't know which one it would be. Florida State is as good a, I guess, as good a contender for that as any. Another one that sticks out to me a little bit that. I don't have any good reason to say this other than like some recent history in this series is the week before Florida state at home against NC state coming off a bye week. Yep. Last time NC state was at death Valley. They should have won the game if they didn't yank a field goal at the buzzer. Um, that game goes to overtime and Clemson wins, or I can't remember if that was a one point loss or um, it was, it was, that, it went to overtime. I was, uh, I was lucky enough to be on the goal line because uh, they missed the field goal. We go to overtime, we score, and then we intercepted it on, I think, the second play of their overtime. And then last year, it literally came down to a false start by one of their wide receivers. Um, yeah. One of their wide receivers just jumped early on the play that would have been the game, at least giving them the lead very late in the game touchdown. Um, and I mean, they easily could have won that game last year. That game last year really stressed me out. And with Ryan Finley coming back at quarterback, I feel like they could still be pretty dangerous. I don't think we're going to 41 to zero them like we did, uh, I think in 2014 or 2015. Well, and I think the talent gap between those two teams is way more significant in 2018 than it has been the last couple of years. But I mean, somehow Dave Doran struggles in some strange games, but doesn't struggle against Clemson. I don't, I don't know how, but uh, you know, you got to keep an eye on that. So long story short, I'm going 11 and one as well. Mike, are you, uh, are you calling them shooting the moon here? I am 12 and a Ooh, spicy. Going for it. So Clemson, Clemson has dropped one in each of the last couple of seasons, one that they definitely shouldn't have lost. Um, 
I wouldn't even say they really got outplayed in the pit game. That was just a down game by the defense. Um, uh, it was bad. I don't know. It was shootouty. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It was shootouty. Yeah. Uh, last last year they definitely got outplayed in the Syracuse game. I know that Joey and I have talked about it with the Kelly Bryant injury, and he wasn't 100 percent in that game, and then he was knocked out early. Um, but they were struggling before Kelly Bryant left the game. Um, so right. they just kind of got outplayed on a Friday night in a weird environment. So that you're going to have one of those. This team is way too talented. Um, I know there are some issues in the secondary, but they have essentially two entire starting units on the defensive line. Um, linebacking core should be pretty strong. They have playmakers all over the field on offense, even though some of them might be young. Um, you essentially have two quarterbacks who can start pretty much anywhere in the country um, at quarterback. So I'm going with 12 and 0. I, I think 11 and 1 is a really safe answer. I don't like safe answers on this podcast. I'm going with 12 and 0. Yeah, we're those teachers that never give hundreds. Yes, that's 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 totally fair. But even at eleven and one, this team's going to a college football playoff. I don't think there's anybody in the ACC, even looking at like Miami, um, and even if you drop the Florida State game, like, is Florida State going to lose another game on their schedule? Yeah, probably. So like, I don't know. Um, I, I have trouble seeing Clemson not making it to the ACC championship and then not beating the team that represents um, the Coastal Division. I just Miami's going to be good. They're not on Clemson's level yet. Um, so even with them being back, maybe like I don't see them competing with Clemson on the same field. I think we might have another incident like we had last year's ACC championship game. Yeah, that stunned me. Even even now, I'm still kind of surprised that we beat them so thoroughly in the ACC championship. I thought it would be a lot closer than it was. One, one thing I just wanted to point out, too, is that if Clemson does go 12-0 and here and, and finish the season undefeated, especially going through a playoff or whatever, it would be only the second time that Clemson's finished the season undefeated since Frank Howard's 1950 Clemson team. They finished undefeated in 81 to win the national title, and they haven't gone undefeated other than that in the last 70 years or so. So yeah. um, Clemson seems generally bound to lose one at some point or other. Um, it's just more a matter of when, but – um, hey, I mean, if there's a team with, you know, the talent and the schedule and all that to, to get it done, it, it's probably Clemson. Um, John, thank you for coming on. This has been a great preview for what should be another exciting season for Clemson fans everywhere. Um, appreciate you coming on to preview them with us. Uh, tell the people where they can find your work. Uh, yeah, I, um, I do all of the social media for uh, Shaking the Southland at ST Southland on Twitter. Um, I really enjoy uh, – doing all that. Uh, the community's great. People, I mean, Twitter's fun in general. And then uh, shakingthesouthland.com is um, our, the, the website for our blog. We, uh, we're about to start our season preview in the next couple of weeks. It's really exciting. Um, uh, we're going to have like a pseudo like D-line section because there's just so much to talk about. Um, and then uh, just uh, for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Juan Fabulous, uh, J-U-A-N. Uh, fabulous and yeah thanks for having me thanks for coming on man you're, you're welcome back anytime it's been a great preview and uh, we, we'd love to have you at some point later this season if you're available awesome thanks john all right mike that's john mcelaney uh, again shaking the southland.com he is their social media guru uh his, the uh, the tweet czar as it were over at shaking the southland so go check him out there uh, we got some other teams to preview, but in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. 
And once again, he is at one fabulous on Twitter. And that's a great Twitter handle, by the way. Big great. fan. Thank you. Big fan. Big fan. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, tell them where else they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconferencerateview. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate our podcast on iTunes and review it. Make sure you guys go out and do that. Please, please do. Uh, you would be much appreciated if you did. Uh, Mike, they can also find us on YouTube. You just go search for Basketball Conference. We've got all these, uh, all these published up there, so go check those out. Uh, you can see John's very clean and, and uh, plain room that he just moved into. So yes, it's real nice. Enjoy all the, the art I have on my walls. It's really, really popping. That one, I believe that piece is called Fire Detector or Smoke <laughs> Detector or something like that. I, I have one scarf for, oh, and an, an Alabama flag, but that's just because I'm from Alabama. There you go. There you go. You're going to make a lot of friends with that flag around there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that wraps it up. We'll be back soon to preview some more teams. But until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. John McElhaney, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.